Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to the Female Insight Zone. This is Mary Beth Kuzmeski. Today I'm talking with Robin Farman-Farmian, and she is a professional speaker. She's an entrepreneur, angel investor, and overall incredible person. So I'm really excited to talk with Robin today. Welcome, Robin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. So tell me, how did you become an angel investor? Well, I just became an accredited investor. As long as you make a certain amount a year and or you have a certain amount in net assets, you are an accredited investor. And so I just started putting small amounts of money into companies. I have one pretty big investment and then the rest of them are small investments. So tell me, what is your core, your background? Talk a little bit about that and so how you got to where you're at today. Absolutely. So I have essentially created this career that leverages and scales my particular skill set, which is very high level business development, anything to do with money or revenue. I do the big deal partnerships. And the way I do that is by being a professional speaker, because if I'm on stage, it basically opens up almost any door that I need opened. And when people Google me, the first 15 pages of Google are both around my area of expertise, so articles and videos, but I control it completely. And so it really just opens up all those doors for me. Well, that's amazing. So I know that you're very active in the healthcare environment and you've written a book called The Patient as CEO. Talk a little bit about your healthcare background and how you got involved in that. Sure. So at the age of 16, I end up actually being misdiagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And in my lifetime, I've had 43 hospitalizations, six major surgeries, and three organs removed. And by the time I was in my mid-20s, I was very sick. And I decided just one day to take full control of my own healthcare and became the CEO of my own healthcare team. And that ended up getting me diagnosed correctly, put on a medication called Remicade. And I literally went into remission overnight. And so that's the background of the book and my entire driving force of why I work in medicine. And my tagline, and I actually have my own brand and my own tagline, is that my life goal is to impact 100 million patients worldwide. So why do you think it is that, because I have a neighbor in a situation where she has some kind of disease and no one can seem to diagnose it correctly and it's just this mystery and she continues to be sick. Why does this happen in this day and age of such great technology and skill sets and genius doctors? Why do you and many other patients have these problems? Oh, easily, because there are over 10,000 known human diseases, known, right? And we only have treatments for about a few hundred of them. Body is incredibly complex. And while we know so much more than we did even 50 years ago, I mean, think about the fact about over 100 years ago, the life expectancy was less than half what it is now. We have increased life expectancy that dramatically just in the past 100 and 200 years, right? So we are making great headway, but it's just such a complex thing that there are things that we don't even know we don't know about yet. So how can technology help with this? I know that that's something that you talk about. How does technology help us pull all this together and find better diagnoses and better medications and the right medications, if you will? Oh, so there's so many cool things going on in places like artificial intelligence. 
So that's what you're talking about. When you're talking about complex diagnostics and massive data sets, you're talking about applying machine learning to these data sets to be able to come up with insights that human beings would take years or potentially never be able to sort through because there's so much data. For instance, there is a company called 3Scan that with imaging software and AI is able to do in one day what it takes a traditional pathologist one year, right? So these technologies are accelerating human progress so dramatically that we are going to see some massive breakthroughs in the next couple of years. Uh, In fact, I'm working on a company that is working on curing cancer, right? So there are lots of us in the area of oncology really working to make massive, massive breakthroughs in both immunotherapy, but this company I'm working with is repairing P53, which is the guardian of the genome, and could potentially cure or treat more than 50% of all cancer out there. So there are breakthroughs happening right now almost daily. You can see some kind of form of, of technology moving quickly inside of medicine. Well, I know another thing that you have worked on and invested in is inhaled insulin. Talk about that. What is that? Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. So this is a trick I teach women as well. Because I am a strategic angel investor, meaning I bring a lot more to the table than just cash. They let me in on these pre-IPO rounds. So this is actually a pre-IPO round where I am putting in you know, a small amount for an angel investor. But what I'm doing is I'm bringing value to the table because I really believe in the company. So what this is, is a liquid formulary, which is a very big deal inhaled insulin with a smart connected device. So that means we can control exactly how much insulin you're getting, how quickly it is absorbed into the lungs by controlling the stream, right? And then this eradicates the need for patients to stab themselves with a needle. Like, hi, take this small little inhaler as opposed to sticking yourself with a needle multiple times a day. And why this is also going to make such a massive impact is because a significant number of people delay going on insulin therapy when they first get diabetes, which is a big mistake, obviously, because they are putting themselves at risk for things like blindness and amputation. Well, if it's an easy to inhale formulary that can come in or under the price of injected, then even the insurance companies can get on board with something like this. Yeah, absolutely. I have a question. Everything that you've talked about and everything that I've read about you is absolutely amazing, right? You're driven, you're motivated, you are curing cancer, right? You are involved in such amazing things. You're very powerful. How can other women learn from your path or what's some path that maybe some other women can get on that would follow sort of the path that you've taken and the drive and motivation that you have? What's your secret? I believe in myself. I've been through extreme trauma over and over again in my lifetime, both from the healthcare perspective, but in other areas of my life. And I'm not just a survivor, I'm a thriver, right? And I believe in myself and I know that I can do whatever I put my mind to, right? And so it's having that confidence and then having that goal. I have that life goal of impacting 100 million patients. That gets me out of bed every morning. Like, wow, I am making such a massive impact in the world that it is fun. Absolutely. You're, you're doing such amazing things, but 100 million people or more in, you know, you could have all the money in the world, but if you don't have your health, you really have nothing. And you're really making an impact on other people. Survivor and thriver. I like that. So in your past, have you read any books or listened to any speaker or someone that really woke you to some of this? Or were you born sort of like this? No, I was born like this. It's a genetic thing. 
the Starbuck family founded Nantucket back in the 1600s with seven other founding families, including the Macy's and the Folgers. And one of my great aunts literally in the 1800s led the fishing industry. I mean, this is before women had any type of job and all the men were out on the whaling boats and on the fishing boats because at that point, New England, you know, led the fishing industry, which is fuel and all of that with whales. And she controlled the entire fishing industry in the 1800s. <laughs> That's amazing. Absolutely uh -huh. amazing. But then my mom, so most of the women in my family have worked, including my grandmother who went to Wellesley back in the 20s. But my mom went to medical school in the early 60s and was one of three women in all of the medical school. Wow. Yeah, it's who we are. We are strong women. And I was brought up in a household. Sexism never even crossed my family's mind. Like my dad is such a feminist and he's an MIT IP attorney. So he was originally a scientist turned uh, intellectual property. They just brought me up believing that women are equals to men and actually came as a huge shock and surprise when I finally moved to Silicon Valley in my 30s to find out that wasn't true, according to Silicon Valley. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So what do you think that families and moms and dads can do to raise their children in a way sort of like you were raised where there's not even the vision that something like this exists, this inequity between men and women? I think part of what gave me the massive confidence is even starting at the age of six, I went to a private school where I was the only girl between uh, first and fourth grade. And I tutored the boys in fourth grade while I was six years old in math. <laughs> so from a very, very young age, I knew that women were superior in math. And so it never, like, I never heard that women weren't, you know, as good in math and science. Like, that never crossed my mind because I experienced being an expert at something compared to a fourth grader who was male. When we put the idea in our minds, sometimes we start thinking about that. You never had the idea in your mind that that was even a possibility that women right. were you know, not superior to men. <laughs> and then if you can believe it, I went to boarding school and then in college, I played six years competitive varsity ice hockey. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. amazing. I was 85 pounds at the time. I'm still <laughs> about 88 pounds, but I haven't changed that much since college. <laughs> yeah. So I was the tiniest person on the ice and I just said, of course I can play ice hockey. That's amazing. My son plays ice hockey in college, division one, and their girls team is, I mean, those women are strong and they are tough. And tough. I didn't notice that any of them are 88 pounds, but holy man, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. How can people find out more about you, find out more about your book, find out more about what you know, kind of work that you're doing? Sure. So I am the only Robin Farman Farmian in the entire universe. I am writing my second book right now on the thought leader formula, how executives and entrepreneurs can turn themselves into a thought leader or a subject matter expert and actually uh, dramatically help their own career. I have a website. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Basically, you can find me anywhere by just Googling my name. Awesome. And I have one final question for you. So I know you do a lot of professional speaking. Did you have any coaching or training on that? How did you become someone who's a, a coveted speaker? Absolutely. So that's part of why I'm writing the book. And I'm actually going to give exact timelines of what I did when to be able to build this exact career and how much money I invested. But essentially, it is looking at your thought leadership or your speaker career as a business. 
right? So I look at my entire life as Robin Inc. I don't have a professional life versus private life. I pull in best practices from both areas and create Robin Inc. with its own profit and loss statement, right? And so I invested money into becoming a professional speaker. I hired high-end speaker coaches at $1,500 an hour. My first slide deck, I spent $10,000 on a very high-end designer and an editor to help me really hone my story and get it into a perfect 25-minute talk. I hired marketing and, and PR companies to get me placed in the right journals or Forbes or HuffPo or Business Insider, right? So really, I looked at it as an actual business. Yes. And I asked that question because I do a lot of public speaking as well. And I have hired coaches and I've hired all of the same kind of people that you've talked about. And I think that when you have some great ideas, you think you can just go out and speak about them. But to be at a very high level and be a speaker that somebody really wants to come in and talk to their high level executives or whatever it is, you've got to really, really work on it. So I'm glad that you also have worked on it because it shows that, you know, if you want something bad enough, you have to really invest the money, the time, the effort, whatever that is to becoming better at it. And it is huge strategy. So you have to be your chief strategy officer as well as your CEO. And over a three-year period, I probably hired on and off 40 different people, right? Yeah. I just use Upwork for designers. I hire companies temporarily for two or three months. And for that very first talk I ever did, which was a 25-minute talk, I practiced it 40 times, 4-0, yep. 40 times. And not only that, but my speaker coach recorded it, and I watched it every single day for a month. Yes. And when you deliver it, it looks like, wow, this is amazing. This is, oh, she's so great, but she's so great because she works so hard at being great. Yes. It is a lot of hard work going down the professional speaker route or the thought leader route. You don't do it if you don't want to really put in the effort, time and actual capital. I actually once had a question. I was giving a talk in New Zealand to a women's entrepreneur group on how to turn yourself into a professional speaker. And one of the questions was, well, I only have $300. What can I do with that? And I said, throw it out the window because it's not going to help you in your career. Yeah. That is nowhere near enough. If you think you can become the career of a professional speaker with only investing a few hundred dollars, then you will fail. Yeah. And a lot of people do fail at doing that because they don't back themselves up with the resources and invest in themselves to be really great. Exactly. And that's what you need to do. Look at this as an investment in yourself and believe in yourself because you are that strong. If I can do it at this tiny little body and being a severe chronic disease patient, you absolutely can do it. Yeah, no doubt. Well, my gosh, thank you, Robin, so much for sharing your insights with us on the Female Insight Zone. You certainly did that. I am really motivated and I can't wait to get your new book. Well, thank you. It was wonderful having this discussion today. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.